0: Hello and welcome to the last in the current series of Tamagindas. We've been out and about quite a bit this series and exploring the wonderful Manx countryside there is always something you don't know about some spot no matter how long you've lived here. So without further ado I think we'll just get out there shall we?
1: You are listening to Tamagindus. It's another walkie special, Howard, and we're actually doing what we threaten to do, the walk in Balaf, Glen.
0: Yeah, well, we've, we've read the book, and now... We've done the talk, now we're doing the walk, is that right? That's it, yeah, Yeah,
1: that's very catchy. When I say
0: we've read the book, you've read the book. That's the one we were talking to Sarah last week, of course, about, and uh, a wonderful work it was as well.
1: It really was, and it was great to speak to her, and also interesting that she thinks there's so much more now to say several years on from when this publication was made. It was January 2011, this was published. Um, But we've gathered together, a merry band of people. Let's just um, talk to some of them now... People might know you. Morning. How are you? This is early for you, is it?
2: This is not only early, it's strange. I'm wearing walking boots, of which I think I've only actually worn them three times in my life, because I don't normally do walking. You described this to me as going to be a gentle walk, and then I've just spoken to someone else here, and I said, how, how far is it um, to this, Thalton? And they said, oh, it's a good long way.
1: Was that Charles Guard, by any chance? Uh, yes. Oh, Charles, well, you terrible. Well, I know how much he
3: loves walking, you see. And now he's really looking forward to it. And you notice his wife's carrying the, yeah. <laughs> the picnic. Oh, yeah. Alex, yeah. isn't?
1: Yes. Right. Well,
0: sexual equality is alive yeah. and well on Tammy It genders. certainly
1: is, it certainly is. Now, um, you know is... everywhere
0: on the Isle of Man, Charles. You know Glen do.
3: Yes, and I'm pretty sure there are no barriers or bollards up here, if that's of any interest. <laughs>
1: perfect I don't right. know what he means
0: I don't know what he means I don't know is there
1: I don't know um, Christy D is here as well but she's taking photographs we'll speak to her as we go so I are you ready then picnic ready I everybody ready aren't. Back, Yeah. Aren't. yeah. Ready. Yep, okay go. boys ready come on boys ready ready <laughs>
0: ready <laughs> let's go let's go right lead the way McDuff because you're the only one who knows this
1: is quite terrifying I'm just uh, I'm glad Why Charles is here actually
0: I know well we say she knows she probably hasn't got a clue. Do
2: we go? That
1: way? No, don't worry. That is really steep up that way. That way? No, this way. Comfortingly, Beth, only now
0: does Beth actually know? open the book I'm, to see I'm what's in it. <laughs> There we go. You've closed the gate. Very good. Follow the country code.
1: Absolutely.
0: So remember, if the gate's open, you leave it open and it's closed, you close it again. Yes. So there we go. So how far up the track are we now?
1: Do you want it in metres or approximate mileage? Either. Um, a little bit along the way. We're actually um, not far, I think, from the first Thalton. Um, what I love about this is that everybody is just in complete awe of how beautiful this path is and quite a few people with us today have never been along here before. But it just could not have been a better day after the torrential downpour yesterday. I was slightly concerned this would be a washout, but this could not be better.
0: You and me both. And I have been along this track many times, but the other way around. And that I've done a lovely walk, and I don't know if you've done this one before, where you start up uh, by Brandywell. Ah, and you sort of start there. up, yeah, just below Brandywell Cottage. You follow the track up over the top, then you go over the sort of the moors over the top there. You drop down the other side, and then eventually you come down on this other side of the valley, oh, yeah. come along there through the plantation. I don't know the name of the plantation off the top of my head, but there's a track that goes through the plantation, drops all the way down, and then you cross the river and you come up into uh, Glen Do here into what I think is still a uh, Manx Wildlife Trust a reserve, I believe, isn't it?
1: Well yes, I believe it probably is, but we have just come to another gate which says Glen Do. we're going to go through this gate, and then as we get round the corner we will see our first stop.
0: Fantastic, and here we are on the gate, it's got the old name, MNCT, Manx Nature Conservation Trust, which I think I'm correct in saying is now the Manx Wildlife Trust. Yes, I think so. There we go. So you've been up this track before then CDH?
1: No, I never have, ever. It's beautiful. There's so many places on the island that I've just never been, and I've been here for most of my life, but you can always find a new track to go on, and uh, magical things at the end of it, apparently.
0: Yeah, and that's been a common theme over the years on Tammy Ginders, the number of times we go out and do these, and we always keep saying, you know what, I've lived here for ages, I've never been on this track before. <laughs> and it is incredible, you, you would think you would know every square inch, but um, unless you are Charles Gard, who, as we're discovering, is a walking encyclopaedia of knowledge on Some the artifice.
1: Which is true. <laughs> Some of which is true, yes.
0: And that is probably what makes this video so popular.
1: Can you imagine, though, waking up to this view? Because actually, apart from the plantation, um, which, as we're walking, is to our left, this is going to be remarkably unchanged, isn't it? You've got the high hillsides in the background. Just imagine waking up to that bird song, because here we are, H. Can you see it?
0: yep this is the first one i think In there's the a plaque on this one now which gives us some details yeah. uh, just above one of the doors i'm fairly certain there's a plaque about either when it was built or when it was taken over i can't remember but there is a plaque there somewhere we can have a look at Here we and go through thanks the
1: gate to sarah's um, directions last week i think if we carry on there's a little style and we can find the other ones but we're going to have a look around this one first thank, thank you. you very much
3: right,
0: can you there we are, through the gateman and a little river down here which we might have to cross and here's the original building and i think like i said there's a stone plaque above the wall above the door i think on this one so if we can get across the river we'll see what it says hopefully right, here we go some stepping stones those in wellies are just going to brave it straight through <laughs> oh, oh, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't panic. All right, here we go. It'll be me. Falls in, of course. Usually is. Uh, ah, made it. Amazing. Clear as day. Right, here comes Christie. Oh, she's negotiated. I think we're all safely across, that's good. Right, and here's the Thalton, and here's the plaque, which says something short and sweet. Here we go. Margaret Louise Pass in memory of Margaret Louise Pass, 1912, 1994, and the building itself still in actually relatively good condition in the scale of things. you got the details?
1: Right, so can you see above the door there? Margaret Louise Pass. Yep, okay so if we go to page 45 of our little booklet here, I'll be able to tell you a little bit about her. So the conserved tholton at the port at the bottom of the glen has a lintel over the door dedicated to this lady Margaret Louise Pass uh, 1912 to 1994. This was a real puzzler as there are some past families on the island, one of which I was told was once a station master at Balaf. However, the truth is that Margaret Louise had no connection with Glendhu at all. Her <laughs> Son, Anthony Pass, is an architect and was head of properties at Manx National Heritage in 1994-5, and when the land passed to the government in the Manx Wildlife Trust then, money was needed to make the Fulton safe as it was in danger of collapse. Anthony helped contribute and in return was allowed to use this lintel as a memorial to his mother. Margaret Louise had recently passed away and hailed from Manchester. The lintel is constructed of St Bees sandstone to blend in with the house. Anthony was a member of Laxey Heritage Trust, a trustee of Manx National Heritage. At the time of writing, he was busy searching a book on Manx architecture.
0: Ah, fascinating. The only one thing I would take issue with, well, not major issue is, but rather than blend in, to my eyes, it sort of seems to be a different colour to the rest of the house. But
1: It does, but I don't think it's offensive in any way. Well, no, it's, it's not. A, it's a, the same sort of style, yeah. isn't it? You could well believe that that had been there uh, for a hundred years Well, I recognise so. it
0: as sandstone, but the rest of the building isn't.
1: No, it's not. No. Trust you to pick that out. <laughs> right, shall we go inside? Come yeah. on in. Come on in, see. My humble, abode. humble nice. yeah.
0: Two up, two down. Okay, mind your head going through here. And you get you probably difficult to see. So this, the floor must have been a bit higher than it was, because this, presumably, the walls along here, that's where the second yeah. it's, it's actually the second floor. So, you know, neither of us are massively tall, but I think if you're more than about five foot six you'd be banging your head on it, wouldn't you almost? Yeah. So probably it's they Quite were a lot of smaller rubble down those here. days, though, I think you're right. I suspect the floor is higher than it would have yeah, been originally. So. And again, you see where the fire is there. Yes, yep. it would definitely have been a little I bit lower. There would be
1: a, another fireplace. the upstairs on fireplace. And, yeah, yeah, in the bedroom, there. presumably,
0: or yeah. wherever you were upstairs.
1: Oh, uh, Chrissy's now dismantling the...
0: No, no, didn't see that. <laughs> Marvellous. But yeah, you get a feel, and uh, I don't know quite what these ones are so much. No, See, what's that? Charles
1: must know. Let's ask Charles. He'll know. Is it like a, a built-in cupboard?
0: I'm assuming it is exactly that. Maybe it's somewhere we put your nightlight.
1: Oh, maybe. Charles will know. So, Charles, there are these little sort of cubby holes. We are, are they some sort of cupboard? Howard suggested maybe a nightlight might go in there. Any thoughts?
3: Well, what you have here, if you look, is... The chollach, the chimney, there would have been a huge wicker canopy over here, and the fire would be here, and the slawry, which was the pot hanging on the stove, uh, hanging from a, a big um, metal rod, would be cooking. And that would be behind the fire. So it's probably to keep things oh. warm or dry. Put your bread or something, or yeah. To uh, keep your bread warm. Yeah. Maybe prove your dough, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is the. Um, the big kitchen area. Oh,
1: right, so that fire over there then would be in their living area?
3: Yes, yes, and then there'd be a little upstairs chimney there as well. What you have to say is that the stonework here is just fantastic. It's exquisite. It? It's so perfect. But it was all rendered. You can see that it would have been rendered inside. Yeah, which is all gone now, pretty Beautiful. much.
0: Yes, the skill in putting it together is immense, I must admit, and, well, testament to the fact that it's still standing, I suppose. Amazing.
3: And instantly round the back, as the hill comes down, there is a big area cut out, so it wasn't against the soil to keep the damp out, to air it. Because it would be pretty damp up here in the winter, you know. Yeah, I bet. Long months of rain and little sunlight. Wow.
0: Amazing area, and you really do get the sense, like I said, of the families who have lived here in years past. And it's still fantastic that it's still standing in such great condition. So, and this... There we go. Up to the next one. This one's not quite in such good condition, then, Muskie.
1: No, it's not. Which is, it's a shame, isn't it? And again, we've said it before, but it's incredible, really, how quickly nature reclaims things like this. But just talking to to Dave, one of the the guys that's with us, and he was just saying, look at the effort that would have gone into building this, all this stone which would have had to been brought here barrow by barrow, the skill that's been handed down through the generations to put it together because the brickwork is absolutely incredible, isn't it?
0: The question is, does it have one of those little holes in the wall like the last one? Oh shall
1: we have a look. Yeah, take a look. Look, they do. They do. They do.
0: Another one virtually exactly the same. same So on the kitchen area, you've got the old where the range and the fireplace and I can't remember the Manx not Strothic, but the sort of the big pot that would go over the fire to make your soups and your stews, and whatever the case you 're making and here we are on the left again, yeah, a little square about i don 't know a foot and a half square set into the wall hasn 't it 's not part of the chimney it 's got nowhere for smoke to go out it 's got thick rock underneath and above it 's got to be it 's yeah. got to be for keeping some sort something of warming,
1: warm. and there 's one on either side, and interestingly for me anyway, the chimney on the same side as the other one, so. Whereas I would have come here before and not noticed the, the change in the brickwork there. Charles was able to point that out. And then if you look on our other side, you can see that the fire that would have been in the living quarters and then the one above it in the presumably bedroom area.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that would have been the, yeah. uh, the bedroom for the,
1: uh, the man and woman I a detector or something. Christy just said that. Can you imagine what you might find here?
0: All sorts. There'd
1: be all sorts, wouldn't there? Because presumably, when that door was closed for the last time, you wouldn't be able to take every single thing with you, would you? No,
0: I mean, any bits of sort of wooden things would rot away. I was yeah. saying before, I mean, if you go into some of the Thaltons, and I think we might have been in them before, you still see the whole range there. Yeah. Where like, yeah. Like, a, like it's a very old arger almost, and it's still almost intact with the door and everything. Uh, and I've seen some in really sort of quite good condition. But, yeah, the other stuff, as you say, I assume they'd take furniture and bits and pieces, but there's bound to be stuff left. bits of everyday life
1: one just down here then will be the mill shall we go and have a quick look at that and then we need to decide where we're going to have a cup of tea Tonka down excellent idea
0: is that tea or lunch a
1: bit of both I think a bit bit of both I don't know about lunchtime luncheon
0: A bit marshy underground here.
1: Charles is telling us about the mill.
0: Okay, so this is the mill building coming down under this fairly boggy patch down here, which we'll just squelch through as best we can. Hopefully, not sink.
3: Yeah. So this here is the laid. There would have been a wooden trough along here, and that is the uh, collecting from the river. there will be a mill pond there. So along here to the side of the building. The water will have run. Have, run. have run, down, and you can see the wheel pit would have been here where that tree's now growing out. And oh, that's yeah, where yeah. the axle will have been. Would have gone through the wall there. Yep, and the water will have dropped onto the wheel, so it will have been a back shot. It will have turned around this way like the Laxey wheel does, and then it will have exited through and joined the river again. Wow. So it's, why is there a, a mill here? It's so remote, I don't know.
0: So I was pondering that, so would they have been milling, because I know in various places around the island they had mills, quite often I know there are some which have sort of been driven by horses on one of those rotary sort of mills, and they sort of ground things like gorse and whatever for animal feed.
3: They did, of course they all had those up on the hills, the the circle of the horse walk and uh, Killebrie for example, all the machinery is still there, and yes they crushed gorse, they might have chopped turnips and stuff, Um, I, i There's only one Thalton I've seen that's on the other side of the Thalty Wheel Valley that has the remains of what could have been a water wheel. And I really don't think they did the water wheel for chopping gorse. They may well have grown crops here.
1: Would it be to feed the cattle to sort of do all the... It
3: would be. But if you owned a mill, it was a great business because your. Uh, neighbouring farmers who didn't have mills, of course, would bring the corn and it would be something you could earn your living at, mm. uh, you know, in certain times of the year. But this this is really remote up here, I must say.
0: It is spectacular and still in really good nick. Other than, again, you can see where the mill race is, and as Charles was saying, you can see here where the wheel would have been, albeit there are no apparent signs other than the actual stonework left at all. Uh, a bit of gearing we saw further down, which may or may not be, or would have been associated somehow, but there's nothing of the axle or any of the wheel itself here all long gone fascinating so might well have been might well have been for uh threshing gorse and such like perhaps you'll never know i don't know but fascinating to see it's just great that it's still actually standing here you can come and get a sense of what would have been a pretty hard life easy to romanticize it but (laughs) I think in the day you were on the edge of existence, I dare say, to a large degree. Albeit, if you had a mill, presumably you had a few quid. What do you reckon, Muskie?
1: I reckon on a day like this, as you say, what an incredible place to be. And if you just turn towards the the other Fultons that are just behind us here and you think that is the view that they will have seen pretty much.
0: Yeah, I think that would be largely unaltered, obviously. I mean, trees, all these trees wouldn't have been here because these trees will only be 50, 60 years old or less. But the hill itself clearly yeah. hasn't altered.
1: No. Wow. A beautiful spot. Thank you very much to Sarah. Um, the booklet, incredibly interesting. And I'm looking forward to her update already. She has to do it now. She's promised it almost.
0: <laughs> well, she said it, Sarah, not me.
3: Is it um, time for lunch yet? It I
0: is. So. That's a good so. call.
1: <laughs> right, where do we want the picnic? Oh, yeah.
0: Charles, always thinking of his stomach, I tell you. Charles Gard there, leading the way to our wonderful picnic lunch. It was a splendid walk out uh, on a glorious Saturday morning, one of the better mornings we've had this spring. I must admit, blue sky, it was quite warm, and we uh, we all sat down just a little bit up from uh, where we recorded that piece, down by the mill, and uh, sat and watched the wildlife. There was a peregrine falcon going ahead. It was terrific. You, you mentioned the update there, so I can't remember, did Sarah say then, if we went and did this, which she sort of challenged us to do, she was going to do what? another book.
1: I don't think it was quite like that. I think it would be when she retires and actually has time because a lot of work went into that first edition. But she talked last week on the programme about how research techniques have improved so much that she actually did it back in 2011. So there would be more to find out, I imagine. But isn't it amazing? Well, do you know what I wish I'd taken? Not
0: that I've got one. No, go on, what are, you, what are you going to take? A
1: metal detector.
0: Well, Christmas is coming. Christmas will come before your birthday's on, thinking.
1: Yes. I can start off with a really little one and see how I get on. If I progress, I don't know if you can get a little handheld one.
0: You can. I think they're all handheld, aren't they? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I don't think you strap them onto your head as far as I know. I don't know. I've never done it. I have, well, I say that, I have once and once only used someone else's briefly years ago, uh, just for fun, because uh, they had one lying around. And I thought, oh, this is a bit of fun. I can see the attraction. If you go to Max uh, Microsoft Radio's website and go to the podcast, there's a great piece that I think it was Aaron did, it was all about because there is a metal detectorist club, I think, on the Isle of Man, and he did a wonderful piece. He went out with some of the metal detectorists over here and talked to them about you know, where they go, what they do, what they found, etc. The bottom line is, of course, you find no end of ring pulls, old cans, bits of junk, but the excitement is, as we all know, every so often, yeah. someone unearths sure. something really exciting.
1: There's our challenge then for a the next series of TMG if we're allowed to do one.
0: I'd have a go. And obviously, you've got the, to get the permission of the landowner, wherever you might be to go and uh, metal detect and then again well, it's if, garden, if right? you find well funnily enough you know, I've found the odd thing the, the usual stuff I find in my gardens agricultural not surprising so I mean I've got an old plough for heaven's Chicken. sake which is there I found bits of the chickens I don't think they're metal and you find bits and pieces uh, I did find once and I've still got a tiny little toby jug it's like an inch high a little model toby jug I found in the veg patch years ago no idea whether it's you know late whether it's mid 20th century or late 19th century there's nothing on it it's an inch high it's an ornament rather than a practical jug. Um bit. yeah, yeah, I've still got it on the windowsill. But it's in pretty good nick, really, considering it was buried right. in the garden for however long. That's so. what we're gonna do then. That is what we're gonna do. So uh, yeah, get in touch at uh, Howard Kane at micsradio.com, Beth SB at maxradio.com Ever uh, you've got a metal detector or any other ideas you'd like us to have a go at, because it's it's a good blank canvas here on <laughs> or oh, carte Blanche as they say here on Tammy Ginder It's if you're wondering about something then we'll wonder about it as well and see if we can find something else. Right, Okay. let's go and have our last rummage into the archives. So one of us, in this case you, go into the wonderful archive at the end of the corridor, pick something up pretty much at random, within reason, and as long as it will play on one of the pieces of equipment, we'll see what it is. I think we're heading towards the TT, are we? Okay. push the button, Max. I think the slider in this one, here we go, bit of a
2: fader. Right. TT, TT, TT. 40 years on the air
3: the leader of this race, putting an end to what's been a fantastic week.
2: But now we turn our attention towards Governor's Bridge. Here is a machine, it's a fast machine. TT, 40 years on the air. The year
3: 1988,
2: when crew manning reductions by the steam packet company led to strike action. Eight men involved in the collapse of the Savings and Investment Bank appeared in court in Douglas. St. Bridget's Hospice opened. The newly restored and refurbished Castle Mona Hotel opened its doors. An airship building by Wren Skyships Limited started at Jerby. Internationally, the SAS killed three IRA terrorists in Gibraltar. Over 150 people died in the Piper Alpha oil rig disaster in the North Sea. Ben Johnson was involved in a drug scandal at the Olympic Games. An American warship shot down an Iranian airliner and killed 286 people, and a Pan Am jumbo jet was brought down on Lockerbie in a terrorist bombing. (laughs) Meanwhile, in the TT of 1988, Joey Dunlop continued to make all the headlines in a cluttered eight-race programme. Off the track, he made the front pages after being banned following a drinking and driving offence. On the track, he made the back pages with three magnificent wins, which put him just one victory away from Mike Halewood's 14 win record. And he went hard, he recognizes It's funny how Once again,
0: the everyone, was everyone seems oriented, to be have a higher voice when, when you listen to I don't know what that is, not how that works, but peers. it is true. You listen to old recordings of, of David Collister, of myself, racing. of Peter Neal, and always sound. Machinery. That the much higher was in, in the vocal TT tone. I no, no idea what that's about. Terrific see, stuff. Wonderful. To thanks action. to Andy. I think I've got a lovely outtake of him doing that program where he um, swears a lot. If, me- if memory serves correct, I think we should dig it out. We'll have to go out after nine o'clock though. Listen, that's it for another series. Thanks ever so much for your company. We will be back hopefully later in the year with another series of time Ginders. Keep wondering, and we will see you then. Cheerio.